This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing leg day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show. Oh my god, John, were you up on Wikipedia all night? John, are you okay? You're you're shaking. You guys, you will not believe what I just read on Wiki. Welcome to Reddit on Wiki, the poorly researched, semi-funny podcast on random stuff we find on the internet. Who, who are you talking to? And why are you shaking so much? Subscribe to Reddit on Wiki on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Sean, I'm scared. Me too, buddy. Me too. In 1987, police officer from the Australian state of Victoria launched a raid on a compound located just outside of the city of Melbourne. They had gone into it expecting the worst since the operation was based on a horrifying claims made by teenagers who allegedly escaped from it. But as their investigation uncovered more and more evidence, nothing could have prepared them for the truth of what really went on inside that compound. Hi Fred, my name is Josh Shell, host of the Let's Start Call podcast. And that was my first attempt at trying out an intense true crime intro. If you liked it, let me know what you think. If you didn't, then I will sentence you to download and review every episode of my podcast. Five stars, of course. In today's episode, we will be covering the story of The Family, a new age group based in Australia whose sweet photos of identical looking kids masked a horrifying truth. Unfortunately, the lifelong trauma that these children suffered wasn't enough to put their adopted mother behind bars. Any episode involving kids are pretty heavy, and when I have to deal with heavy things, I always ask my girlfriend for help. <laughs> <laughs> I moved last week, and she was one-handing couches into the moving truck. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It was quite a sight to see, so <laughs> please give a warm welcome to Sienna. Sienna, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. We're making barbecue pizza today, so we have to crush the episode in time for this? Uh, yeah. What are we putting on the pizza? I don't know. Sauce. It has to be a saucy pizza <laughs> and cheese. <laughs> Although we're making, I already did the dough. I did that by myself. Oh, you I'm didn't sorry. Help. My bad. Yeah, that's okay. I'll, I'll make the pizza. You can barbecue it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as you heard before, we are talking with the family, not the Manson family, but a new age Australian group. Have you heard of them before? I have not heard of them before. Okay. That's exciting. Okay. So you you excited to hear about I this? I am. A child adopting person. Sure. And I, I, the podcast I've been listening to recently, it's Australian too. So oh, deep into the... I'd ask you to shout it out, but we don't shout out no. on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're just going to jump into it then so that you can quickly learn and we can get to our pizza. Awesome. Born on December 30th, 1921 in a rural town in Australia state of Victoria, Anne Hamilton Byron had less than a stellar home life. Christen 
Evelyn Grace Victoria Edwards. That's quite the British-sounding name. Yeah, very royal. (laughs) Her entire childhood was spent in poverty, which is ironic, uh, poverty-stricken conditions, and she was often forced to look after her seven younger siblings. Her father, Ralph, worked as an engineer cleaner on the railways, although he often left his family for long periods of time in order to avoid debt collectors. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, her mother, Florence, claimed to be a psychic medium who could communicate with the dead. Later, she was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and hospitalized in several mental institutions. Doesn't sound like a great childhood, but... Yeah, I mean, most cult leaders, I find, don't Mm. really have great childhoods. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) This is just par for the course, but it is hilarious that her dad just takes off to avoid debt. Yeah, I thought you were going to say because he works on the railway and sometimes they're gone for periods of time, but no. Absolutely nothing to do with that. (laughs) Much sadder. Yeah. In 1941, Hamilton Byron left her small town behind and changed her name to Anne Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Shortly after, she married a 24-year-old officer with the Royal Australian Air Force named Don Harris and had a daughter with him whom they named Judith. Judith, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Their marriage was short-lived, however, with Harris dying in a car crash in 1955. The irony is he was like flying planes all the time, never crashed those, but... I mean, I feel like it's easier to crash a car. Well, just higher chance. Yeah, that's true, I guess. (laughs) That's awful, though. That's really sad. less people in the air. Yeah. But yeah, very sad. At the time, the couple had been in the process of adopting a baby boy from a children's charity, but Harris's death meant that their application was ultimately denied. Grief-stricken at her loss for her long... Grief-stricken at her loss, her longed... um, Would you like me to... Uh, that would be nice. Uh, grief stricken at her law, lo- uh, at her losing, at losing. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> grief stricken at losing her longed for second child, Hamilton Byron relocated to Melbourne and became a yoga teacher, Ooh. training under a Swiss woman named Margaret Segsman, who claimed to have spent several years in uh, living in an Indian ashram. That sounds pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Margaret. Very zen. Very zen. Although I think it's where she starts getting her new age oh. ideas. So <laughs> maybe not the best. Three months after they met, though, Segsmund accused Hamilton Byron of putting a spell on another student and asked her to leave the group. That's interesting. As, <laughs> was this Hogwarts or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, a year after arriving in Melbourne, Hamilton Byron encountered Raynor Carey Johnson, an English man two decades her senior and a renowned scholar in the field of spectroscopy. What's that? Uh, It is the branch of science concerned with the investigation and measurement of spectra produced when matter interacts with or emanates electromagnetic radiation. Okay. So. (laughs) Still have no idea. (laughs) Not a science person, but that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Electro. Yeah. So that's radiation. I guess he deals with radiation. However, he began dabbling in paranormal phenomenon after his retirement in 1964, even going so far as to become friends with a self-proclaimed mystic. Hamilton Byron introduced herself to Johnson by knocking on his door in December 1962 and issuing grave warnings about his upcoming travels to India. She claimed that his wife Mary would fall severely ill, and true enough, she did. That sounds suspicious. (laughs) Yeah, you think she poisoned her? Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past her. (laughs) Given that Hamilton Byron's prophecy seemed to have been fulfilled, the Johnsons returned to Melbourne and dedicated their entire lives to her. Wait, what? What do you mean? So they, after they went to India, they returned. Oh, and then they focused on her. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah. they were like, okay, well, you were right about this. So, so you must be right about it. So things. you're a witch. We will succumb to whatever you want us to do. Nice. 
1963, Rainer and his wife, Mary, and their daughter, Maureen, along with four other people, participated in a ritual that involved hallucinogenic mushrooms and the recognition that Hamilton Byron was actually Jesus Christ in female form. Um, always has to be a, <laughs> a Lord and a, Savior a, figure. A, yeah, some sort of Jesus <laughs> figure or whatever. This eventually led them to forming a group called the Great White Brotherhood of Initiates and Masters. That sounds like a, a boys club, like a, say, a yeah. scholarly boys club like or you something. You wouldn't assume that's led by a woman. No, no. <laughs> it also sounds a little racist. Yes, um, the Great White Brotherhood. Yeah, 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 questionable. I don't know Australians' history on race. Oh, but. it's not like Canada doesn't have a great one, but Australia definitely yeah, doesn't have doesn't? good. Yeah, with the indigenous population there. Yeah, good, so. to, good to know. <laughs> good to know. So yeah, potentially an underlying. Mm -hmm. racism to that, but uh, unconfirmed. In 1965, Hamilton Byron met Dr. Howard Whitaker, a psychiatrist known for his attempt to get the government to allow the use of LSD when treating patients. It wasn't long before he had also joined her organization, whose name had already been changed to The Family by then. Okay, that makes more sense. (laughs) Maybe they're like, uh, some people are questioning our our intentions. We'll call it something nicer. Dr. Whitaker often conducted research studies at a private clinic in New Haven, a town located on Phillip Island, Australia. It was here that the family would recruit most of their members, including Bill Byron, a wealthy building contractor, and Hamilton Byron's future husband, whose son had been committed for drug abuse. The family's ranks significantly increased through the 1960s, with each member required to go through a lengthy initiation process, wherein they had to declare their devotion to Hamilton Byron and her dogma, which blended together Christianity, Eastern mysticism, and apocalyptic prophecies, like every other goddamn yeah. cult. <laughs> its main premise was that the world was in its final karmic cycle, and thus no further reincarnation would take place. Sounds like an existential crisis, <laughs> which I have frequently. <laughs> every night. Yes. <laughs> um, but it, it, this one's an interesting one because it's uh, they assume there is reincarnation, but that our karma's run out. And this is the final, uh, like, there's no more reincarnation after this, which is interesting. Yeah, it is. So that everybody would just... Would we just die out? No, because people are still having children. Isn't the idea of... Oh, yeah, but it's a new soul. So what? There's just soulless children (laughs) being (laughs) born. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, that's disturbing. We'll move on. (laughs) Hamilton Byron promised her devotees salvation from this inevitable doomsday. She told them that she was Jesus Christ and would be able to shoulder their sins in order to pay their karmic debt and save them from being obsolete. In return for this, however, they had to promise total obedience, calling her the master and blindly following whatever she said. I Sounds like fair. You yeah, know, fair trade. Yeah. She's, she's got kind of like girl boss energy. Yeah. You know? She's like, I fuck with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's turning it on its head. She's becoming the leader. And uh, I'm in for this feminist movie. Sure. It doesn't sound too bad so far. <laughs> uh, I mean, other than threatening them with their souls, oh, basically. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> In one of her sermons, she preached to the members that, quote, I am looking right at each one of you. You are the initiate. You are the cosmic being. You are staring into the awakening. This is the moment of rebirth on a new planet. We've received the call and great things will be done. End quote. That stresses me out. <laughs> uh, are you ready to... Uh, Give your soul to her? No. <laughs> she can burden your I don't want to be a cosmic being. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. You're like, I'd rather just die. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike other cults, the family's ranks consisted of educated professionals such as architects, lawyers, doctors, and nurses. 
This was mainly due to how, at the time, upper-middle-class Australians were exhibiting an increased interest in alternative spiritual and mysticism. So it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter how smart you are, you can always be duped. That's true. I think that's a lovely sentence. I don't know, scary, but also <laughs> that's true, yeah. brings us all together. We're well, all, book smart, street smart. Yeah, we're all, able, we're all yeah. able to be corrupt. That's true, yeah. yeah. To add to that, Hamilton Byron's first and most devoted follower, Rainer Johnson, would often get his friends to join the family, telling them that she was the Messiah who would save them from total destruction. According to Fran Parker, another one of Hamilton Byron's early followers, quote, We didn't think ourselves as a cult. Everyone there seemed to be on a similar wavelength. They were just lovely people who were sincerely looking for the spiritual dimension in their lives. End quote. Like, it doesn't seem so bad yet. Like, it's just a different type. Of religion, I guess. Yeah. A little yeah. more intense, but... Uh, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little more intense. Because, like, religion. right now, what? They're not living all together, right? They're probably just attending services and... Um. Yeah, I think it's just a gather- gathering thing. I okay. think we'll talk about that in, in upcoming here. Okay. Members of the family adhered to the motto, unseen, unheard, unknown. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which implies that they belong to an exclusionary spiritual elite. All of them were made to regularly consume LSD or magic mushrooms. That sounds fun. Yeah, exactly. Which they secret, which they believed was a secret mana, and which Hamilton Byron was able to easily procure thanks to her followers who worked in the medical field. Mm-hmm. Besides LSD, the family also cons- constantly dosed themselves with a concoction of vitamins, herbal supplements, pro- <laughs> psychoactive drugs, and tranquilizers. This is the sixties. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like that tracks. Uh, wait, sixties. 60s, 70s. Okay, probably. Fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's on track for that. <laughs> Which served to make them even more compliant to Byron uh, Hamilton Byron's whims. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, like I talked about the Manson family, he definitely used drugs to make his followers more easily manipulative. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I whether, mean, whether that's their goal or just they want to get high and then. Yeah. yeah I, I'm not sure exactly how. But your judgment changes for sure. Yeah, exactly. At its height, the family had around 500 adult members, all of whom would cram themselves inside the so Santa Kinitan Lodge, a property located a few kilometers outside the city of Melbourne. It was owned by the Johnson family, who allowed Hamilton Byron to use it every Thursday night as a place where she preached to her devotees. So yeah, just a mm-hmm. gathering thing yeah. right now. During these gatherings, members would be asked to give a majority of their income to Hamilton Byron allowing her to build her and her husband's wealth. Because of this, they were able to acquire several properties in Australia, England, and the United States. Wow. When the family's activities were made public in 1987, Hamilton Byron's net worth was estimated to be more than $50 million. Oh my God, how many followers do they have? Because like the Catholic Church, like, you know what I mean? You you do a donation every Sunday and it goes towards keeping it up. Mm -hmm. But this is a new... Well, this is decades of like people giving... Her the majority of their earnings. So it's right? not like ten dollars at mass. No. And these are like people making like they're doctors, doctors and stuff, lawyers. So they're yeah, making yeah, a lot yeah. of money. A little extra. So so yeah, you you, you had like five hundred salaries over a couple decades. It adds up. Peace. <laughs> Plus in investing and whatever she did. I don't know. I'm not an investor, don't <laughs> <laughs> no, can you help me? Tell me more. Um Bitcoin, I believe yeah. that no, no, don't. Many contemporary researchers have noted that while the family consisted of wealthy and well-educated professionals, rather than free-thinking use, it still bore the characteristics of cults that flourished throughout the 1960s. 
For one thing, drug use was rampant with consumption of LSD and psilocybin encouraged by Hamilton Byron. Mm -hmm. For another, its message of sex, power, and liberation from conservative societal norms resonated with the influential movements that characterized this particular period. Oh, so they, they didn't have like, like I feel like some cults are like, don't have relations or marriage, mm. don't do this, don't do drugs, alcohol. Yeah. And this one's like, do whatever you want, <laughs> yeah. just give me money. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just want your money. Yeah. Uh, and we can do drugs together. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> In fact, the family was so alienated from the usual conventions that the, its members allowed Hamilton Byron to meddle in their marital and family oh. familiar relationships, which she often rearranged to fit her vision. It was this focus on familial ties that would lead Hamilton Byron and the family to carry out the activities that they would eventually be known for. To what? Like she would tell people, you're breaking up or like you're going to be with this person? Or... Uh, probably in ways, but that's not necessarily what they're known for. Okay. It's more of the children, which oh, we're going right. to get into yeah, in the next section. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, not great. But um, you know who won't interfere with your marital and familial relationship status? Who? <laughs> 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 the the um the wonderful people that are paying for a pizza tonight. So Who's paying for a pizza tonight. Hopefully these sponsors. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Enjoy some ads. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show. If someone told you, a cult leader told you that you had to break up with me, would you? Absolutely not. Nice. No, I would, uh, I would leave. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would be the last straw. Plus, I, I would be the leader in any cult, I think, so... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, that's that's no, what it that's is. one less worry yeah anyway yeah, back to kids. uh yeah terrible things happening to children ah. by the late 1960s hamilton byron had become such an influential person that she was able to convince the victorian education department to register the family as a school mm. yeah in 1969 children began arriving and three years later they were moved to a property called kai lama is it this easy to just start a school? It's not. I would know. Uh, yeah, you <laughs> well, should know. nowadays, <laughs> <your> yeah. <laughs> um, go to Australia. Maybe it's really yeah. easy. There. Or maybe we're they moving. Change, maybe they changed yeah. the laws because of this. So they were moved to a property called Kai Lama or Up Top, which was located on Lake Eldon. In total, about 28 children would come to live there. Of these, 14 were the biological or adopted children of Hamilton Byron's devotees, who had willingly given them up for her to raise. Oh my God. Yeah. Others had been attained through scam adoptions, <gasps> which were facilitated by the members of the family who worked as doctors. Oh my God. This is yeah. like, I feel like straight out of Marvel Black Widow. Taking oh yeah. Kids. True. We just watched yeah. that. Yeah, that's true. Actually, there's a very strong connection. <laughs> Maybe this is where the story comes from. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so they were doctors. Yeah. So to do this scam, they would drug their patients as they went into labor and convince them to hand <gasps> over their newborn infants. What uh, What about after? When they're like, I am not on drugs anymore and I want my child. I guess if they can convince them to hand them over and sign That's true. I feel like even on drugs, like new mothers wouldn't give up their child. Yeah. I don't know. What kind of know. drugs are they on? Like Maybe they were also selective of who yeah, they chose. Like maybe they preyed on like vulnerable people who mm. maybe aren't ready for a kid or like are unsure or unsure yeah that's so, still awful I, can, I literally can't imagine that yeah very fucked up yeah. at up top the children were cared for by three women patricia mcfarlane elizabeth Whit, uh, Whitaker, Whitaker, and margaret 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 yeah, yeah, i guess name. so yeah mclean and Mikel- mcclellan yeah jesus i had the hardest time with her <laughs> name. Uh, all of whom they referred to as aunties their daily routine involved yoga, meditation, and the study of spiritual texts. That doesn't sound like a bad school. But. Uh, I mean, spiritual, like, yeah. they're not learning math or anything. So That's true. Um, they were also made to adhere to a strict vegetarian diet that was supplemented by regular doses of LSD. Oh, my God. Yeah, so they're drugging kids. That's crazy. This also reminds me of the hands made. Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> You're just making all the connections. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, I've never actually watched that, but. Uh, oh, I read the, bu- the books. Though. Oh, yeah, there is a book. Yeah. And there's a second one. You can see where my brain is at. Yeah. uh, (laughs) The the, uh, film adaptations. (laughs) The aunties were very strict in disciplining the children. For instance, their beds had to be made by 6 a.m. every day, which was followed by an hour-long session of Hatha yoga and about 15 minutes of listening to records of Hamilton Byron's sermons, as well as a mantra chanting meditation and a short break to organize their schoolroom. So very early mornings, I would... Not do well at that school. <laughs> Been made by 6 a.m.? I'd be okay. You'd be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you were up pretty early today. Most days, actually. Yeah. According to the researcher, Carol Cusack, quote, two hours after rising, they ate a fruit breakfast. Three hours of schoolwork were punctuated by short breaks. Then the children had one hour of meditation or space ball, a game hand devised, followed by a What's lunch. What's the of- game? Can- are you going to tell me what... You want to know what the game I do. is? Baseball? Okay. I was suggested new games that I could potentially play with kids. Unless <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, Baseball game. The family. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's probably a bunch of baseball games that like... Not showing up. Oh my God. Oh. That's okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what baseball is. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, so... This was followed by a lunch of steamed vegetables and fruit. The next three hour, three and a half hours involved lessons, a short break, and packing up the schoolroom. From 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., the children meditated, ate a bland vegetarian meal, read spiritual texts, and did homework before bedtime. So they didn't quote. really have any fun? Uh, I mean, it doesn't baseball. sound... Like, obviously, it sounds bad. It's like they're away from their parents, and they're going through this very strict routine. But, like, I mean, fruit for breakfast, yeah, well, yoga... Yeah. They're only eating. Yeah, I know. Let's, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine that be. I mean, there are vegetarians, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. They also supplement their diet with veg, vitamins and, and protein stuff. and yeah. stuff like that in different ways. So I can't imagine they have a healthy. No, and they're growing. So yes. They would need like. Yes. Yeah. So I mean. Plus, there's LSD in their food, right? Yeah. Well, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's all okay. If Never mind. It's pretty everything. Bad. Yeah, that's probably the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. To appear as if the children were adhering to the state's mandated educational system, the family registered a school called the Aquilin College in 1984. Whenever the authorities arrived to inspect its activities, the children were coached on what to do and what to say. The vegetarian diet that the children were forced to abide by was far from as sufficient for their growing bodies, as we just yeah, talked about. Okay. 
Most of them were malnourished and resorted to stealing food. Although the aunties and, aunt, uh, and Hamilton Byron resolved this by body shaming them, especially oh the girls. You can't even in like the middle of nowhere away from like social norms and media, girls can't escape <laughs> body shaming. Yeah. Even in uh, cults led by women. Yeah. That's brutal. Which is fucked up. Yeah. In her memoir, Sarah Moore, who grew up in the family, recalled that, quote, weighing was a very serious business, particularly for us because it was considered that we were putting on too much weight. We would have our food rations cut down, and that was a dreadful proposition, food being the most important things in our lives. We girls viewed the scale with hatred. They made our miserable lives even worse. Some of the girls would even try to induce vomiting on weighing mornings in attempt to seem lighter, um, end quote. That's awful. So they're resorting to, like, bulimia, that's, which is... Yeah. No, that's... Fucked up, yeah. yeah. Many contemporary researchers have theorized that Hamilton Byron, who was chubby as a child, projected her body image issues on, mm-hmm. other, on the children. As an adult, she would regularly undergo liposuction and other cosmetic procedures, which made her even more charismatic and appealing to the outside world. Oh. Love that. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Some even took to saying that she used her mind to court women, but relied on her body and her good looks to entice men. Mm. She may have been vain, but Hamilton Byron was also notoriously prude which led her to shame girls in her care for experiencing normal bodily processes like menstruation. Oh my, that's crazy. Even now, like people don't talk enough about that stuff. And then these girls are like, this normal thing that happens to your body? Nah. Yeah, you'll be shamed. Yeah. Yeah, It's fucked up. So much for the feminist girl boss. I hate it now. (laughs) Yeah, woman-led cult. But that's not all. The children were also frequently beat by the aunties who carried out the abuse according to Hamilton Byron's wishes. Later, Leanne Cress, uh, Cress, who spent most of her childhood in the uptop compound, recalled that they were sometimes made to go through a process similar to waterboarding. Oh my God. With their heads being submerged in buckets of water whenever their answers weren't to the adults' likings. There were also times when Hamilton Byron would ask them to be whipped with belts while she listened to their screams on the phone. Oh my God. Yeah. That's all, like actual torture. Oh yeah. Awful. Yeah. yeah well, and, all of it's torture. Well, but yeah, like, I was going to say. Jeez. Yeah, 28 kids going through all this. Jeez. Are there other adults there except for the aunties? Like, their par- like their parents are not there, even the ones that were given up, right? No, By, no, like, no. willing people? These okay. are, like, because they're, it's kind of, they're kind of secluded, right? Yeah, yeah. They're kind of on their own compound, led by the aunties. Okay. Like, three women are taking care of them all. So the other, so say participants who, like, gave up their kids to go to this, like, they're not on their own compound. Like, they're living their lives with their jobs and stuff and just going to mass or yeah. gatherings. Yeah, I would imagine that's probably mostly how okay. most of them anyway. Some might be living with Hamilton Byron. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. But yeah, most of them are just living their lives. And then it's like they just sent their kid to Bible camp. Yeah, basically. I well, went to Bible camp. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, so pretty fucked up. Yeah. But it gets worse. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> In some ways. The children's cries were often heard by neighbors across Lake Eldon. However, all 28 of them would be forced to hide inside a tiny hole, which would then be covered up with a painting whenever local police arrived to investigate. Are the police officers, like, not <laughs> trained well enough that they get to a spot where they know there's children and they don't see any children and they're not questioning that? Uh, I mean, I guess not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. This might seem suspicious. <laughs> like, I guess, so just thinking, like, what could possibly, like, maybe the police constantly get calls like oh there's kids screaming across the lake uh, i guess they think like, it's a, like lake. a party or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. keep it down or whatever i'm not sure exactly the okay, circumstances fair. but uh 
Yeah. Not that I'm covering up for the police. No, no. They fucking suck sometimes. So. <laughs> but there was one instance when they weren't able to hide themselves quickly enough. When questioned by the authorities, though, they all claimed that they were being fed and treated properly. Later, Leanne, Cress, and Sarah Moore explained that despite the abuse, they had become attached to Hamilton Byron, believing her to be their biological mother. Just 28 kids. Yeah. Just, just, you yeah. made us all. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us are the same age. And yeah. They don't look similar. Yeah. <laughs> In an interview, Cress said that, quote, We were all very protective of our parents and of what was happening at the time. Nobody would dare to say anything. As a child, of course, you love your parents, and it doesn't matter what they do to you. You love them, end quote, which is true. I mean, yeah, I mean, you hear about it all the time, right? If you're growing up in this situation, you don't really know any better. Yeah, either, so. that's true. Besides this mental and physical torture, the children were also frequently subjected to Hamilton Byron's whims. For instance, she would film and photo- uh, photograph them dressed in identical old fashioned clothes, all with their hair dyed peroxide blonde. What was the point of that? For fun? Yeah, funsies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess it's like just power. Probably, yeah. And I don't know. Cute family picture. It's like when people dress their dogs up. It's like. Oh, uh, yeah. True. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably what she thinks of these people. Yeah. Is, basically, which is fucked. Some of these images also showed her alongside the children, looking glamorous in her expensive clothes, jewelry, and signature blonde wig. Another thing that Hamilton Byron did was group the children together according to the an arbitrary system. For instance, Sarah Moore recalled that she was classified as, quote, single until she was seven years old when she was decided that she would be a twins with a boy named Stefan who was close to her age. What? So she was just like, you're twins Making now. things up. Okay, yeah. fair. <laughs> That's cool. I've always wanted a twin. Someone could just be like, you have a twin now. That would be weird now. Someone's like, you have a twin now. I would be think it's cool. Okay, sure. <laughs> This arrangement lasted until they were 14 when Sarah became triplets with her fellow teenagers, Luke and Timothy. So just completely different people. Oh my God. (laughs) I guess they don't know any better. Like, yeah. yeah. Imagine someone's like, you're triplets now. Or or my brother and my sister, you're all triplets now. Okay, sure. And and then two years, you're uh, twins with this other person. Yeah, no, that's. So around that time, she also became a New Zealander, despite being previously told that she'd been born in Australia. They all sound the yeah. same. That'll piss I off mean, Australian uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> in 1984, Sarah recalled that her name was changed from its previous Andre to Sarah. For her, these drastic changes in her birthplace and the relationships that she had with other children demonstrated the influence that Hamilton Byron had over the family. She had become so powerful and so venerated that she could alter facts and reality at will. Yeah, it seems she's just playing God. It wasn't just the children's relationship that Hamilton Byron manipulated, though. For instance, Fran Parker, one of her first devotees, who was made to divorce her husband. So, oh my. As you were asking. Yeah. Uh, yes, she did, in fact, uh, manipulate regular wow. <laughs> families as well. Yeah, not, not just the children. Yeah. When she initially refused, she was threatened with a stint at a local psychiatrist hospital, a psychiatrist hospital which was run by a fellow members of the family. What would you do? Oh, I'd go. Nice. They just drug me up. Yeah. <laughs> be great. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a fun time. I'd visit you. Yeah, it'd be like uh, over the cuckoo's nest or whatever. One flew over. You'd have to put a pillow on my head. No. <laughs> have you ever watched that movie? No. It's a book. I've never oh, read it either. That's I how should. it ends. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry <to> Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, the downfall of the family was instigated by Leanne Cress and Sarah Moore, both of whom had been brought up in the uptop compound. Sick of the mental, emotional, and physical torture that they were going through each day, 15-year-old Leanne comfort, uh, confronted Hamilton Byron, who then proceeded to attack her. Wow, I'm proud of these girls. Yeah, I mean, I but think— But also, that's awful. 
Like, there's so many, like, stories like this where it's, like, you could make a movie out of this where it's, like... Oh, yeah. Like, horror. It'd be a horror movie, probably. But, yeah. uh, I don't know. I think definitely showing these things would be better so that people knew and were more aware of cults and That's true. I guess cults operate. happen in a different way now because it's hard to be, like, secluded and... Oh, they still happen No, now. they just, Absolutely, <laughs> but it's more, like, powerful people with money. And oh, I guess they have money, too. But, yeah. like, that can keep things under the rug. People yeah. are paid off. Just a thought. We could make movies about stuff. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, the police were no help. When called to question Leanne, who had attempted to run away from the compound, Hamilton Byron told them that she was nothing but a troublesome teenager. It would be two more years before she had the opportunity to escape again. Oh my God. Yeah. This time, the authorities brought her to her foster family, who tried to get her to talk about her past. However, she clammed up and refused to do so. Yeah, so much trauma. Wow, yeah, yeah. And especially if you tried the first time and the police didn't help you. Yeah, so why would you want to open up? Yeah, exactly. It just probably, she resulted in more torture and shit. Yeah, and she probably would be afraid for the other girls there. True, yeah. Yeah. By then, 17-year-old Sarah Moore had also become disillusioned. In 1987, she too confronted Hamilton Byron, who was excommunicated from the family. When the two girls reunited, they decided to reach out to the local police who were already suspicious in keeping tabs on the cult after receiving numerous questionable reports. On August 14, 1987, the police raided the uptown compound, and the remaining children were taken into protective custody at a facility owned by Community Services Victoria. That still sucks, too. You're going, I mean, way better, I'm sure, but you're going into the system, but I mean, still, yeah. yeah. Better than being tortured every day. And malnourished and shamed who you are. Absolutely. The subsequent investigation was picked up by the media, who had already done a few reports on the family. Most notably in early 1980s, when a man named Hans Holm, Hans Holm, what a name, (laughs) attempted to retrieve his 10-year-old daughter, Kim, from her mother, who had joined the cult. Oh, that's, yeah. So some of the parents were, well, I guess he wasn't part of the cult, so like he was trying to get. Yeah. Yeah. The judge issued an arrest warrant for his estranged wife, and in 1983, she and Kim were found in hiding in Auckland, New Zealand. However, this instance was deemed a domestic dispute, which was why no further investigations were launched against the family. That's weird to me. Uh, I guess it's fair because, like, she took off. Yeah. It'd be hard to be, like— I guess they didn't find them at the— Yeah. Yeah. It's weird that they weren't able to make that connection, but anyway. The raid on Uptop was different, though. Given the harrowing conditions there, the state that the children were in, and the disturbing accounts given by Leanne and Sarah— to figure out what exactly was going on, the authorities decided to establish Operation Forest, a police inquiry led by Detective Lex DeMann. Lex DeMann. Are you having an okay time? I'm having a stroke. Yeah. Lex DeMann is That's cool. a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cool detective name. Yeah, actually. Is Do you really think he changed his name? I don't know. This guy would be, uh, in our movie, this guy would be the hero. I think, no, we want to do a feminist movie. Yeah. The two girls are the okay, heroes. Yeah. He's, he's the guy that helps them, though. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Lex DeMand. Uh, sorry, I can't <laughs> Sounds like, like a frat boy. Lex DeMand. <laughs> it's such a good name. Um, meanwhile, Hamilton Byron and her husband Bill, both of whom disappeared around the time of the raid, were traced to Hawaii, where wow. they'd gone into hiding. Shortly afterwards, though, they were extradited by a coalition that consisted of Interpol, the United States FBI, and Australian investigators. They were charged with conspiracy to defraud and commit perjury by falsely registering the births of three unrelated children as their own triplets. Oh my God. In 1993, Anne Hamilton Byron and her husband, Bill, finally appeared in a county court in Melbourne. Nothing came out of it, what? though, and the couple was only made to pay a measly $5,000 fine. 
for the mental, physical, and emotional abuse that they had put their devotees through. What? Yeah. Did people, like, are there details of the case? Like, did people come forward and, like, issue evidence? Like, did they know about the abuse? Like, what? I don't know. All I got from this was uh, the justice system. Or are they just putting them through for, like, fraud? That's a good question. Jeez. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure exactly. Are they still alive? What they were put through. Um, uh, oh, I'm getting to that. Okay. <laughs> um, no other punishments were was ever enforced. And on June 13th, 1919, or 2019. It's like, oh, we went back in time. <laughs> <laughs> on June 13th, 2019, 98-year-old Anne Hamilton Byron died with dementia in a retirement home in Melbourne and was buried with neither public funeral nor headstone. This peaceful end was undeserved, given how the children that she had taken care of were never able to recover from their trauma, with some even going on to take their own lives. So, did she, like, after this, did she just chill and have live the yep. rest of her life? Did she keep all the millions? And, like, yep. did she keep doing the spiritual, like, masses and gatherings? Probably um, not. I, I don't know exactly. Like, she was getting older at that point, Like, who right? put her in the retirement home herself? Probably. Okay. <laughs> Maybe her triplets did. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. No, I think she I think she gave up the grift uh, mm-hmm. after they were um, taken into court. But I think I'm pretty sure she kept all the money. Oh my god. And was able to just live out her life. That's awful. Until almost a hundred years old. Yeah. After tormenting hundreds of people. Hundreds. Well, like not just the children, right? Yeah, the, yeah, the, the people, people in involved and yeah. like taking I guess there's kids quite from a few people, yeah. the parents and Oh yeah. So yeah. it'd be hundreds. But yeah. That's crazy. That is the end of this tragic story. What about like the people? What about the doctors that were like literally stealing kids? Um, I, none of them were ever charged. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure they all got off. I mean, um, they were under, I guess, her influence, but still. Uh, that's no excuse. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you do your actions, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should be be charged just the same, but yeah, that is uh, a very sad ending to this. Yeah, story. <laughs> I was hoping for better than <laughs> I that. I told you it was heavy. I needed you. Here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Lift me up. <laughs> But it is time for cult critique. Oh. You know what this is? You I write it. Podcast. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Ra- we write the podcast. Yeah, I'm the- forced to listen to this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so we uh, we talk about these shitty people and uh, we rate their cults. Right. I'm, I'm kind of confused about the rating process because I know it's not like you don't rate how bad they are. You rate just in general, right? Uh, it, it varies on, on my guests. So okay. some people rate it like... Uh, whether it was a good cult, you know what I mean? Like, like they it, did well as a like cult? They did well as a cult. Okay. Some people rated on how terrible they were. Okay. Some people rated on if they just liked them or not. Okay. <laughs> so whatever you would like to do, how would you rate the family? Um, I want to give her like a higher rating because she's like, she got away with it. Right. Like she literally did all this and then she's like, okay, I'm going to chill <laughs> with my life. And also like, it was a girl led and then she literally got to just make up her own families and stuff, which is like interesting, yeah, <laughs> which is like, but that's awful that it didn't get any justice too. So I don't know <laughs> how to like rate it in a sense. I'm going to go like, and I was hoping, not hoping for more, but I thought there'd be more about like how like she was like the Messiah and mm. reincarnation, like that sort of stuff. My apologies. Yeah. I went into the torture. <laughs> I'm going to give them a, Two out of five, I think, just because good for them, not good for them, but (laughs) they got away with it, which is crazy. Right. I wonder if they, you could go back, if they could go back and do like a investigation. Like I know she's dead, Mm. but like if anyone else was alive that was involved or like just even have it on the books, like, or get like the, the 
I know it wasn't just girls, the girls and boys or whatever. People are involved, like some sort of help or closure. Yeah. yeah. Well, as I said, like a lot of them are older now, right? Yeah. Like they'd be probably in their 60s, 50s, 60s probably now, if my math's right. Which yeah. It never is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they'd be older now. So, and like I said, some of them took their own lives. Like, yeah. It like is a very sad what, yeah. story. Uh-huh. But yeah, that I, I definitely hope that the Australian government or someone tried to help these people out. Yeah. Like, like tried yeah. To give them a good home. That's true. So maybe they did. I don't know. But yeah, I, I think a two. Wait, did I give a two or 2.5? Two. You gave a two, yeah. Um, I think a two because like that, but also there wasn't enough. There's cult stuff. But like mm, I didn't focus on the cult, cult stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. No, I no, mean, no. I, get, I, I can only do so many new age groups and give the same apocalyptic that's true <laughs> message that they Probably, have yeah and, uh, they all start sounding the same after a while that's true um, so I thought I'd just focus on what made them different uh, than other new age groups but uh, that's fair that's a good that's a good rating I'd probably give it around a two as well yeah um, yeah fucking terrible people I wonder so. if this is like more popular or more well known in Australia. Australia? Yeah. That's a good question. Actually, I have Australian listeners. If mm-hmm. uh, if you're from Australia and you're listening to this episode, let me know what you know about it. Uh, tweet at me, uh, let's underscore cult, or send me emails at startacultpodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, yeah, if you, I'd, I'd be very interested to know how, uh, how well known it is around yeah. the Melbourne area, if anyone's from there. Because it was just outside, which is kind of crazy. That it wasn't true. like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Because there's a lot of spots like that in Australia, so... All right. Well, that about wraps things up. Sienna, do you have any uh, anything you'd like to plug at the end of today's show? I'd like to plug. <laughs> I'm not on any podcast things or anything. The maid, Handmaid's Tale. No <laughs> books. Yeah, uh, let's turn this into a book review podcast. Okay, sure. sure. I'm down. <laughs> let's go for it. Chocolate. Eat more chocolate. You want to plug my new show? <laughs> <laughs> What's your new show? Oh. It is called Reddit on Wiki. Thank you. You're welcome. And it's about things that you read on Reddit or Wikipedia, and you don't do like super in depth research. You literally just get it from Reddit or Wikipedia, and then you talk about them. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the topics are random. Actually, they are very random. They are very random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because we do a different one. Yeah. Like it's a different host every episode. So it's funny though. It's good. People should check it out. Absolutely. Appreciate that. You're welcome. I wasn't sure where you're going to go with that. (laughs) Josh is making me say this right now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Please. (laughs) No, it is good. good. But if you're loving this podcast, be sure to give us a review and tell your friends about it. If you have the means, uh, be sure to go to our buy me a coffee page and uh, become a member, support the show. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at let's underscore cult. You can follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash let's start a cult pod, or you can go to let's start a cult podcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. With all that out of the way, I think we're done. Thank you, Fred, for listening. Thank you for Sienna for coming on today. You're welcome. Uh, let's go make that pizza because I am very hungry. I feel like you could probably hear my stomach rumbling from the mic. <laughs> probably hear mine. Yeah. As well. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next time. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice 
access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com slash cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show.